study tonight. The Lord's going to strengthen us. We're going to look at Hebrews, the second chapter, and verses 1 through 4 tonight. His word builds faith in us, and we need that faith to be alive tonight. Hebrews 2 and verse 1 through 4 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Uh, Last week we finished, uh, or the week before last, last study, we finished with Hebrews chapter 1, so this week we're beginning... Hebrews chapter 2, but it's still dealing with Jesus being better than the angels. Jesus is better than the angels, and this will be part 2. So, uh, why don't we just pray one more time, ask the Lord to give us wisdom and understanding through His Word tonight as we examine these Scriptures. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to look into Your Word tonight. And Lord, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of this trial, and all that's going on in this world, tonight we know that you're going to give us strength through your word. Lord, as we ingest your word, as we receive your word in faith, it's impossible that word will return void. It's going to produce strength in us. It's going to produce faith in us. It's going to produce wisdom and understanding in us, Lord. So we're thankful for your word that is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, and is able to get into our hearts and, and to help us tonight, Jesus. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus is better than the angels, and that seems obvious maybe to us, but the author of Hebrews was addressing these Jewish Christians who were second generation believers. They were won by those who had actually walked with Jesus. They did not walk with Jesus themselves, but they heard from those who walked with Jesus. They had been persecuted for their faith, and they were being seduced by false teachers to take an easy road and return to the law, which they were used to. Thousands of angels assisted in the giving of the law, and that's why the Jews considered them so important and even superior. Because as uh, Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the law, the Lord used angels as messengers to give this law to Moses. But in chapter 1, the author of Hebrews gives us several quotations back-to-back from the Old Testament in order to prove Jesus is better than the angels. If you remember last time, there are seven things that make Jesus better than the angels. And Jesus is far better, as we understand because he has delivered the New Testament or the New Covenant. So Hebrews chapter 2 and 1, he continues this uh, exhortation that Jesus is better. We read it already, but we're going to go ahead and read it again. Hebrews 2, 1 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed 
to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. In the Amplified Version, it says, For this reason, that is because of God's final revelation in His Son, Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things which we have heard, so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. Now this was a timely message for them, but how timely is this for us today? (laughs) We must pay close attention to the things we have heard from the Word of God, so we do not drift away from the truth. So important for us today. There's a song by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. It says, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattery leads to compromise, the end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say. For empty words and promises lead broken hearts astray. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Thoughts invade. Choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. So tonight we pray, Lord, help us to stay on course. Amen. Amen. And when we do begin to fade, Lord, arrest my attention. (laughs) Wake me up. Help me to realize I'm fading away from the truth. Because it's easy for all of us. It's very easy for all of us to fade. And uh, we have seen some people fade and Rather than give up, we are going to continue to pray that God will get their attention and bring them back to Him. Uh, Verse number 2, he continues to exhort them. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. And then the Amplified Version brings a little bit more to it. It says, For if the message given through angels speaking of the law given to Moses, was authentic and unalterable. And every violation and disobedient act received an appropriate penalty. So he's posing this rhetorical argument. If that message was so important that was given through angels, and if you ignored that message, every, Everything in the law was given a, a, a penalty if disobedience was the response. How much more should we not neglect than the next verse tells us so great salvation? If we couldn't escape the penalty of the law, which was delivered by angels, how are we going to escape penalty if we ignore such a great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. Again, the Amplified Version, how will we escape the penalty if we ignore 
such a great salvation, the gospel, the new covenant. For it was spoken at first by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us and proved authentic by those who personally heard him speak. We must follow what God told us to do in Mark sixteen fifteen, and he said unto them, Mark sixteen fifteen, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming word, the word with signs following. And Mark amen himself like I do. Amen. The Lord confirmed with signs following in verse four, the last verse, but we're going to we're going to expound on this for a few minutes. But the last verse of Hebrews two. Verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. So again, we can't neglect this salvation that first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by them that heard Him. And verse 4 in the Amplified expounds further, And besides this evidence, God also testifying with them, confirming the message of salvation. The message of salvation. That's a singular message, right? doesn't say the messages of salvation. Both by signs and wonders and by various miracles carried out by Jesus and the apostles and by granting to believers the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. So just like we should not neglect the message that was given by the angels in the law, we certainly shouldn't neglect the greater message that was given first by the Lord and then confirmed through His witnesses with signs and wonders. That message being the gospel. The gospel. The book of Jude, we're going to look at for just a few minutes. We may not be even very long tonight. We're just kind of moving quickly through some verses. I feel like I'm going a little fast. I apologize. Maybe the coffee is causing me to move quickly. But Jesus is better than angels. And one of those reasons is because his message is better. And I, I believe this, this, this is very timely for our church. Um, because the enemy is trying to come against the message. So Jude tells us, first of all, who he is. Verse 1 says, Jude, <laughs> the servant of Jesus Christ. This is who I am. I'm Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. And this is none other than James, the brother of Jesus. So Jude is the brother of Jesus. Not just spiritually, but physically. He was one of the brothers of Jesus. 
So his parents liked the, the letter J, yes. James, Jesus, Jude. Although they didn't choose Jesus, but they got to name the other ones probably. So Jude is uh, the brother of Jesus, the brother of James. And he's saying, To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He's writing to those that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He's talking to the church, to the saints. He said, Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Again, he begins by blessing them. And this is, we talked a little bit about Sunday, but we need to use our mouth to bless each other. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied as much as possible. Verse 3, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, this doesn't mean common like not extraordinary, not excellent. It just means common like it's the same for all of us who've received it. It's a salvation that we have all received, that we have in common. Again, they didn't receive different methods of salvation. He's writing to those who received the same salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you. So again, we shouldn't feel bad. It was needful for them to hear it too. And he exhorted, he says, it's needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I don't know why, I just, I, I guess I'm too much of an optimist sometimes, but I don't, I don't often think that we need to contend. I feel like we should just overcome without contending. We're just going to skate on through, right? Everybody's just going to receive the gospel and devil's just going to be quiet and sit on the sideline and watch us work. He's not going to do anything. not going to stir anything up. He's just going to let us work. But that's not reality. And that's why Jude said you have to earnestly contend Not just contend even, but earnestly contend. You're going to have to fight with every ounce of strength you have. For the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now notice this progression about the faith that was delivered to the saints. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 shows us, Paul gives some of this progression when he's talking about the resurrection of the Lord and how he received the understanding of that resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So Paul received it himself. And he turned around and delivered it unto them. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 
and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time on the road to Damascus when he got cast down. After that, he was seen of James, excuse me, verse 9, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. So he shows this progression that there was this faith, this faith that was delivered to the saints. It was delivered to Paul, and he turned around and delivered it to them. And that was, that's still the progression that happens today. We hear the gospel that was delivered to the saints. We receive it, we're saved, and then we preach that same gospel to somebody else. That's the progression. We don't receive, we shouldn't receive, and we shouldn't perpetuate a message that was not delivered to the saints. We should only preach what was delivered to the saints. And again, that's what, sometimes people accuse us of being too occupied with the early church or the book of Acts or some variation of that. They think we talk about it too much, but that's the faith that was delivered to the saints. That's why we're occupied with it. That's why we keep going back to it. Because we don't want to lose the faith that was delivered to the saints. We don't want to copy on something that's later. We want to go back to the beginning and copy from that. Have you ever played the game of telephone? Someone tells you something and you tell somebody else and it goes five or six people is about all it takes, maybe even less. The last person's message is way different. So you have to go back to the original. You don't want to just take all these people's word for it later. You want to go back to the original message and get it from the original message. The faith that was once delivered to the saints. Contend for it. A few verses that tell us we, this is going to be a fight to keep this faith that was given to the saints. Acts 6 and 7. This will give us faith to contend. It says, Acts 6, 7, So the word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem grew rapidly, and a great number of priests came obedient to the faith. So when they spread this word in the beginning, it worked. So when the enemy wants to say that it doesn't work, he's a liar. The word works. We don't have to change it from what it was to make it more acceptable to our society. It worked then and it will work now. So let's contend and let's share the same word that they shared. 1 Timothy and 6, 6 and 12. 1 Timothy 6 and 12. says, fight the good fight of faith. Again, there's the word fight. You're going to have to fight. But it's a good fight. It's worth fighting for. And we need to fight for. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold. Again, lest it slip. 
of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. 2 Peter 2 and 21. 2 Peter 2, 21, just a quick verse of warning amongst the encouragement. 2 Peter 2, 21, it would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turned away from the holy commandment passed on to them. We do not want to be having that warning applied to us where we turn away from the holy commandment that was originally passed on to us. But we want to stick to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And that faith was delivered once because it doesn't need a second time. It doesn't need another message. We repeat that message, but it was only that one message that needed to be delivered and we need to perpetuate the one message, the one faith. I didn't put it down here, but Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 4, says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one faith to fight for, and we need to fight for it, earnestly contend for it. Why is this? And Jude, he continues and tells us why we need to contend for this faith. Jude chapter 1, the only chapter, verse 4. For there are certain men who crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness or into the ability to do whatever you feel like doing. They've taken the grace of God and they made it a license to sin. What? God's grace covers me. I can do whatever I want. Because of God's grace, I I could just sin all I want and I can't lose out with God. I can't miss being in heaven because God's grace covers me. Again, does that sound familiar? I can't be lost because God's grace will never let me be lost. It won't if we surrender to it. And if we are truly surrendered to God's grace, it will teach us how to live above sin. It will give us the strength to live above sin. It will give us a desire not to sin. It won't give us a desire to continue in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Romans, I believe chapter 6 tells us. So there's going to be people that come that use the grace of God as a license to sin and tell people you can live however you want, you can do whatever you want and be saved because God's grace. Jude goes on to say, in denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Denying the only Lord and as by implication denying the only true message, the, the faith that was delivered to the saints. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Okay, just because He called you out doesn't mean you can live however you want. If you, if you choose not to believe, if you choose not to go forward in Him, if you choose to just wander around in unbelief and mumble and complain and 
on and on and on, you will perish like they did. It's a strong warning. (laughs) It's not one that I say with joy at all. But we have to make sure we're not behaving like they did in the desert. But we go on to glory. We choose faith. We choose to move forward in Jesus Christ. And for sake of time, we'll skip down to verse uh, 17. Verses 6 through 16, again, he just keeps talking about these basically workers of unrighteousness who are like wolves in sheep's clothing. And they, they, they have this message, but it doesn't really have substance. They have clouds without water, I believe is one of the verses it talks about. And I'm going off memory now, but how many people proclaim a message that has no substance in it today? It sounds great. It, it excites people because people want to hear something that will, will make them feel good about their life, how they are. They don't want to change. They don't want to have anybody um, telling them something they're doing is wrong. And, and I understand I don't like to be told I'm wrong either, but, but we have to learn to get past that so we can be saved. We want a message that has substance. We want a salvation that, that is real, not just a, a appearance of salvation like a cloud without water. We want the water in it. <laughs> Not in the natural. We've had plenty of clouds with water this year. <laughs> Verse 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Jude keeps bringing them back to the words that were spoken by the apostles. Bringing them back to those words. Repeating those words. Reminding them of those words. Encouraging them, exhorting them in those words. So we we should never have to apologize for reminding people of the words of the apostles. If somebody doesn't like us reminding them of the words of the apostles, then I guess they're just going to have to find a different church. Do we want them to? No. But that's, it's, it's our job to remind each other of the words of the apostles. That's our job. That's what a church is supposed to do. Remind each other of the words spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Not because the apostles even so much, but because of they received it from Jesus Christ. These are the words of life. These are the words of our Lord. Verse 18. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. People are going to mock the gospel they're going to mock Christianity and even Christians within Christianity are going to mock the faith that was once delivered to the saints and say it's outdated and it may have been good for that time but it's not for this time because the gospel really includes more than just the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ it's the good news and how we respond to that and how it affects our life and how it changes our life and how it calls us out of sin if a gospel doesn't deliver us from darkness into his marvelous light it's not the gospel 
So if there's a church that's saying it's okay to live in darkness because they're calling something that's sin okay, they're not preaching the gospel. The gospel calls us out of darkness. It doesn't condemn us in darkness, but it does tell us get out of it. It convicts us. It calls us away from darkness. So if, if we're calling the things that are dark light, we are perverting the gospel. And why do we pervert the gospel? Because we want to walk after our own ungodly lusts. That's what it really comes down to. And that's what Jude was telling them. There are going to be mockers in the last time who walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. So again, I am no better than anybody in this entire world. No, nobody, I'm no better than anybody. But I have a responsibility to do my best to declare the gospel and say, this is light, this is dark. This is truth, this is error. This is right, this is wrong. Hey, I'm, I'm not doing that because I like to judge people. I'm doing that because it's what saves people. You walk by an apple tree and you say, there's an apple tree. You're not judging the tree. You're saying what it is. It's an apple tree. Whether you want to say it's bananas or not, it's apple. Not judging it. Just saying what it is. And so when we declare sin to be sin, we're not, we shouldn't be doing it in self-righteous way like the Pharisees. We shouldn't be up on a moral high horse, but we have to declare sin as sin so that people can be saved. So that rather than separate themselves to the sensual nature of our flesh, we can separate ourselves to a God who is holy. So we choose what we want to be separated to. We want to separate to ourselves or we want to separate to God. So verse 20 gives us a big key to contending for the faith. Our ability to be strong, our ability to fight, our ability to go on is is rooted very much in verse 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is how we get built up in that faith. This is how we receive the faith that was once delivered. This is how we continue in it. This is how we grow in it. By praying in the Holy Ghost. And that's one reason why the enemy doesn't want us to walk in the Spirit or receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we need it to build ourselves up. We need it to grow. And so, of course, it makes sense the enemy would try to deceive people away from the original experience and just believe they receive the Spirit instead of have a sign or an indication they actually receive it. And when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, sure, that could probably be translated sometimes as just praying and having the Spirit move on us, but 
Also, we need to learn to press beyond the flesh to where we're praying in the Holy Ghost, where we are speaking in the Spirit as well. If we go a long time without speaking in the Spirit, we're going to suffer for it. Our faith is going to be suffering. But the more we can get into the Spirit and press beyond the veil of the flesh, the more our faith will stand the test of the trial and what's going on. We need to pray in the Holy Ghost and not be intimidated about that. In verse 21, again, not ju- it's not all just about spiritual like we mentioned on Sunday, but there's practical side to this thing. We are to keep ourselves in the love of God. It's not about just being in the Spirit and just, just you know, uh, exercising gifts of the Spirit and miracles and casting out demons and all this stuff. All those things have their place and we need authority in those areas, absolutely. But keep ourselves in the love of God. The love of God is the root of all of it. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Again, this life is going to have so many disappointments. If we don't keep ourselves in the love of God, if we're not looking for the mercy of our Lord unto eternal life, we're going to get discouraged. We're going to get dismayed. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be angry. We're going to go through all those things. But if somehow we can keep ourselves in the love of God, looking for His mercy and eternal life, we will make a difference in our world. We won't get discouraged and wilt away and and fade away, but we will be strong. We're going to have seasons of weakness. We're going to have seasons of trial. Seasons where we need to be picked up and encouraged. But overall, if we will do these things, verse 22, some will have compassion making a difference. Others will save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. There's going to be some in the body of Christ who are more kind and gentle and and compassionate, making a difference, and some are going to be a little more bold and in your face. But believe it or not, both have their place. I guess verse 22, good cop. Verse 23, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop. Sometimes we, we, we need to be kind and we need to just be gentle and we need to just listen. And other times we just need to tell someone, wake up. What in the world are you doing? What is your major malfunction? <laughs> Not because I'm better than you, but you're off right now. There is something that needs to change drastically in your life. We need to pull people out of the fire. Verse 24 and 25 are very encouraging. There's a lot of here to convict us and cause us to desire to do better, but this is the source of it. Besides verse 20 that tells us to build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Another way we get faith is by reading the Word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So praying in the Holy Ghost, reading the Bible. And how do we make a difference? How do we keep the faith? How do we contend? Verse 24, by looking unto Him who is able to keep you from falling. 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. When we're able to keep the faith, and it's not really us that is able to keep it, we just keep submitting ourselves to him who's able to keep us from falling. And as we do that, as we're willing to submit to him, as we're willing to fight whatever we have to fight for the faith, to deal with people calling us whatever names, and and even, like I said, not even just outside of Christianity, but inside of Christianity, making fun of our faith because we're trying to do what the Bible says to do. He's going to keep us from falling. He's going to present us faultless before the presence of his glory. And because we're faultless, we will have exceeding joy. We'll be able to stand before him faultless. There's no greater joy than standing before God faultless. Not because we were faultless, but because we're covered by the blood. Because we obeyed the faith that was delivered to the saints. We were covered by his blood. Because we didn't forsake the faith. We stayed in the faith and we we repented when we needed to repent. And we we pressed into the Spirit and prayed in the Spirit and we, we, we followed the faith. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. He has glory and majesty, he has dominion and power. And that's where ours comes from. Ours comes from Him. Ours comes from Him. And so as a church, we, we make up our minds to earnestly contend for the faith. Because I said, there's been opposition just in the last few months. People having a, an issue with us Mentioning what the apostles taught and saying this is for us today and this is what we need to pursue and this is what we need to seek after. There's been opposition to that. And I'm not saying this because I'm angry at anybody who has opposed us. I want them to be saved. I'm saying this because I can grow weary and I don't want to and you can grow weary and I don't want you to start to fade from the faith because so many people are pressuring us to do so. We cannot fade. We cannot compromise. We cannot go back from the faith we heard that was once delivered to the saints. The faith that is built upon the apostles. The foundation is the apostles, Ephesians 2 tells us. They are the foundation. And Jesus Christ is the chief corner. So we go back to the foundation. The foundation is our strength. The foundation is what keeps us standing. If we don't have the foundation, what good is the house? He who builds it is going to labor in vain. Except the Lord build the house. And if the Lord build the house, He's going to have the same foundation. The apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ being the chief corner stone so it's not about religious dogma it's not about trying to have an exclusive doctrine it's about trying to have the doctrine that was delivered to the saints it's about trying to obey the faith that was given by Jesus Christ to the apostles and passed along 
That's what we want. That's what is worth fighting for. And some people will admit, well, that's the way the apostles did it. Well, then why would we not want to do it that way? That should be the end of the discussion. When we figure out what the apostles did, that's what we should do. End of discussion. No need to go on any further. That's how they did it. That's how we need to do it. Well, we figured out a better way since then. So you're smarter than God. That's what you're saying. You're smarter than the Lord. Because they were doing what He told them. So you're not really rejecting the apostles. You're rejecting Jesus Christ. Because it wasn't their message. It was His. And I've heard those kind of statements. And we're closing... I've heard those kind of statements. Well, the apostles just didn't know better. They, they weren't progressive in their thinking. People make those kind of statements from the pulpit nowadays. But the, the, again, the, the error and the deception they're exposing themselves to is that somehow the apostles act independently of Jesus. They did not. It would not be in Scripture otherwise. So they're saying Jesus really didn't, wasn't progressive. Jesus didn't understand. The principles of Jesus Christ are timeless. He created us. He knows what's best. So in all this opposition we're facing right now as a church, we're not going to back up. We're going to earnestly contend. And let's not, let's not think it's strange that this fiery trial come upon us. Because the enemy is not going to be like I said earlier. Oh, there's a church in Beaverton who's trying to contend for the faith and preach the gospel that was delivered to the saints. And they're really interested in doing exactly what the apostles did because Jesus told them to do so. And So let's let them just have their way. Not going to happen. He's going to fight us. And we don't give him glory by saying that. I don't want to give him any glory. I don't want to give him any glory. But it's just the reality, yeah. Jude wouldn't have to say what he said if it wasn't the reality. So we are in a battle. We're seeing some people fade and, and we're, we're having to, I'll just speak for myself, press in and make sure I don't fade and make sure I don't get discouraged and make sure I don't give in to temptation. We have to earnestly contend and say, Lord, I'm not going anywhere by the grace of God, I'm going to fight. It's not my strength. I can't do it alone, Lord. It's only by your grace that I can do it. But I'm going to seek to contend for the faith. No matter what. And God will bless us. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's one of the Beatitudes we don't talk about all the time. <laughs> it's not as good as blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. All those are positive. But blessed also are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Amen. If we are persecuted for the gospel, and again, that doesn't just mean getting our heads cut off, but people talking bad about us, making fun of us, using what I call intellectual bullying, basically telling us we're morons and we're foolish. We're going to be blessed 
in eternity for enduring those things and not letting go, but holding on, holding fast to eternal life. So if we could uh, stand tonight, we're just going to close and ask the Lord to give us strength.